You're listening to the IAB UK podcast and welcome to our Steering Group Specials, a three-part mini-series in partnership with the IAB Steering Groups. Our Steering Groups bring together leading experts in mobile in-app, video and display advertising to work on initiatives that help drive sustainable growth within digital. In this episode, hear from members of our display and data steering group as they discuss trust in programmatic and what other areas of the market could learn from display advertising. Here's Sarah Vincent from Index Exchange, Michael Simpkins from Zander, and Matt Benathan from Oracle speaking to IAB UK CMO James Chandler. Hello and welcome to the IAB UK podcast. From the IAB, I'm James Chandler with another episode in our series of steering group specials. Today we're talking display, which alongside search is the stalwart, the elder statesman, if you like, of online advertising. Its growth in terms of ad spend has consistently been double digit from right back when the IAB started sizing the digital advertising market back in 2008. Of course, with this type of accelerated growth, there comes challenges. Today, these are focused around increasing regulation, crumbling cookies, and a wavering view around trust and transparency, which perhaps points to the need for more work needing to be done to tackle misconceptions about programmatic as a whole. But with any challenge comes opportunities, and these present themselves as the emerging digital channels that will take on so many of the ways in which programmatic advertising operates and leverage the very best of what automated buying, advanced creative optimization, and sophisticated personalization can deliver. And to get into all the aforementioned, we have huddled together virtually some of the leading voices from our display and data steering group. So I'm delighted to welcome all for their IBUK podcast debuts, I should add. Michael Simpkins, Commercial Director for Marketplace in Northern Europe at Zander. Sarah Vincent, uh, Senior Director for Strategic Partner Management at Index Exchange. And Matt Benetham, Senior Director for International at Oracle Data Cloud. A very warm welcome to you all. Thanks, James. Thank you. Nice to be here. We want to spend the next 20, 25 minutes talking about some of the challenges, because I think it's the, the right thing to do it, but what I don't want this to be is for people to come away and think that it's riddled and we haven't got any answers. And of course, I think there's lots to be proud about display and where it's come from, where we are now. And of course, as I said in the intro, it's going to inform so much of the stuff that's going to come come next as well. But why, why don't we start with the challenges and tackle them head on? Matt, if I can start with you, what's the biggest challenges facing display today? There's a few challenges, of, of course, there are in any fast-growing industry since the dawn of time, since the dawn of industry. There's always been challenges. And of course, they've been front of mind for lots of folk as as we watch the, the cookie crumbling in front of us. But of course, that's a symptom. It's not really the cause of the problem, which I think goes right back to trust and, and a lack of transparency. You know, um, mm. obviously focused on the UK market. Consumers simply didn't understand there wasn't transparency around what we as an ecosystem as an industry were doing and the way in which we were using data purportedly to create a better user yeah people experience was unclear was opaque at best and crappy and rubbish at worst and that lack of transparency undermined trust which led to additional privacy and data protection um, regulations and and also other actors wall gardens and so on to to build higher walls as well to create their own kind of safer 
individual ecosystems yeah so that obviously that's all coming to a bit of a head right now as well isn't it with chrome and apple well it is and i think we'll get into that a bit later on but do you think some of those early on matt do you think they were deliberate things that happened or do you think that's a sort of naivety with we, we never really realized so many years ago that it would be the biggest means of where all the advertising money goes i guess with hindsight we might have done things differently but do you think there were deliberate things in there or it's just a sort of a naivety in its early days when something's growing up it's interesting isn't it i don't for a moment think that it was deliberate Hmm. there was no cloak there were no daggers there were no smoke screens and mirrors what did happen was players within the ecosystem were you know, chasing revenue and chasing growth. And they were not putting a consumer or customer experience at front of mind. But it's funny because we're in our bubble and very interesting grounding was when, you know, GDPR was developing and, and all of that sort of stuff was to look at the comments on mainstream media. So the FT or the Guardian or wherever it may be. And we within the industry in within our bubble, we didn't necessarily think that what we were doing with data and how we were using that would, would cause any problems at all. But if you step outside of that bubble, you get a completely different perspective. And, and that changed my, my position, personally speaking, very interesting perspective outside of the bubble. Yeah. Sarah, we've heard UX, we've talked about cookies, trust and transparency, GDPR. What's your take on some of the challenges? Yeah, I would agree with a lot of what Matt has said there. And I think that we have done a particularly poor job of putting the consumer first. And by not doing that, we have frankly eroded a lot of the trust um, that could have been there in this space, which has led to obviously increased policy and regulation around privacy, which actually is a really good thing. And I absolutely embrace more of that because it ultimately feeds a, a cleaner environment and a better experience for users. But I think that's been the problem from the start was we didn't put the consumer first. Mm. We were kind of in a new industry. It's growing really fast. It was really cool. We were able to monetize where we weren't monetizing before, bring incremental revenue. And yeah, it was all a bit fast paced. And I, I think it was lacking maybe a bit of a long term view and actual kind of thought for when we grow up, what do we want to look like and what do we want our reputation to be? How do we want our users to view us? And I think that's probably the root cause of the problems that we have. But now we have that, it is quite exciting because, yes, that's a challenge that we've had. And we've had to deal with it, trying to readdress the image problem that we have. But it doesn't necessarily have to be like that as we move into new emerging markets. And let's learn from the mistakes of the past. Yeah, I think that's spot on, isn't it, Michael? Yeah, 100% agree. I think it's interesting to look at like where we've come from and where we're going to. And essentially what these challenges are doing is we're redesigning how internet advertising and programmatic works. If you were to design all this today, things like putting the user first, things like trust and transparency, things like brand safety, identity, they would all be table stakes. You wouldn't even second question it. So I think it's just where programmatic is at its maturity that we're having these conversations and we're answering some of these challenges. And I think it's quite exciting some of the answers to these challenges because it's really just going to future-proof not just display advertising but all these emerging formats in the future. And I like that comment of getting the feedback from outside your bubble. I I remember trying to explain programmatic to my mum and my brother (laughs) who's a teacher and all the data that was tracked and transacted and how it worked and they were almost a bit horrified but 
there's definitely been a bit of an education out in market. Like my brother, who's a teacher, sent me an article this morning going, how to piss off advertisers with your iOS 14 settings going, <laughs> will this affect you? And I was like, yep, yep, affects everyone, but there's other solutions. Mm. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it, how someone like Apple in their sort of beautiful simplicity and everything can say, oh, look, we've got a button, you can just turn off all this advertising. People are like, oh, yeah, that, that sounds like a good thing to do it's nice when relatives go from saying uh, oh you're the ones that do all those annoying ads that <laughs> me around completely irrelevant yeah. only some of actually, them yeah to now sending articles which are actually quite like <laughs> semi-relevant <laughs> it's nice yeah it talks to how far we've come mm. <laughs> exactly it's strange isn't it because i think as far back as november last year we were polling people the ib sense was that people really didn't like the online advertising experience and the ads got in the way of the content they wanted to read or the services that they wanted to use but strangely of the people that we ask they get the status quo they don't want this internet that is behind paywalls and subscription based and something that you have to pay for they want it to be free and they accept 86 percent of them accept that the means of funding that and journalism and services has to be through advertising so the opportunity feels massive doesn't it people are accepting it for the experience they've got now imagine if we made it even better <laughs> I think that that feeds in to another sort of important point from constituents, which is, of course, CMOs um, and these, yeah. these marketing chiefs, because they rightly are deeply concerned with consumer sentiment and, and opinion and want to create these beautiful customer experiences mm. and, and journeys. But then they certainly don't want a GDPR fine and they, they, they certainly don't want people bad mouthing them on Twitter and, and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. But they but they they're still coming to us and they're saying, okay, how do we solve for this people based marketing approach that mm. customers want in a cookieless future? How do we how do we deal with that? Because they're slightly contradictory, as you alluded to. Consumers are in many ways, they're okay if that data is being used in the right way. Yeah. And I think there's a really important distinction to be made between customer work and customer experience where you're logged in or a, a buyer of a particular product or service mm. and you have that ongoing relationship across multiple channels with any sort of service provider or vendor. And then prospecting, which of course is a bit more in, into the unknown. And that is where people have got annoyed with some data use cases. And that's why we flipped into cookie-less, contextually derived targeting tactics for prospecting campaigns and still use a lot of ID-based tech platforms for people and for customer-based stuff. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting distinction to make is, are you a customer or are you a potential customer? And treat the two groups very differently. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. So I like that, the sort of the customer and the prospecting bit. Does it purely come down to relevancy? Are people annoyed because I'm showing you an ad for a lawnmower, but you live in a 17th floor flat and you haven't got a lot, you know, or are there other things that you think within that user experience beyond just showing me stuff that isn't relevant that people get annoyed by? Yeah, I think it's probably the former, but mm. I'm actually quite interested now and wonder if there is any stats around the sort of customer and prospecting split mm. across a walled garden where you probably know if they're a customer yeah. and if they don't, in which case they get a better prospecting experience because they're able to target yeah. and know exactly that as a use case is 
great for the open web and it just adds more fuel to that conversation around we need to authenticate users we need to know who we're marketing to and do a better job of that mm. there's a bit more of an understanding around if you want stuff for free you will have to see advertising if you want to see it have a better experience then there's the value exchange and let's talk to you about what that actually is and help you understand what we need from you in order to deliver the premium news content or for example that we deliver but we have to understand it's an exchange and it's a partnership yeah i think it comes back to the basics of marketing right the right message yeah. time yeah, yeah. right device um, and if you get all those right, the user's comfortable. I worked at news publishers for many years, and there's been a lot of work from their side to not annoy their users mm. with high-impact formats that are intrusive to the content. A lot of users know that they're being tracked and like are aware when they download a, like load a page and it's got a really heavy page load to it. So I think users are becoming more savvy to it. So you've got to get those basics, and I think there's been a lot of work from all parties to get them to where we are now. So the stuff that we're trying to answer now is really like the finer details and the really more complex stuff. Yeah. But we've also, just to add to that, if you look at consent levels, there are, across publishers that I speak to daily, they're a lot higher than anybody thought they would be. Like, so users, they do get it, they will consent to it, and it shows that we have come on quite some way. If we ask them, that question uh, four years ago, five years ago, they may not have been quite so willing to accept all the advertising, but I think they, they understand it a bit more. And that's a good point to start with. There is this consent. This is only the beginning. From here on, we have to make yeah. sure it's relevant. It continues to provide that good experience. They continue, their trust with that publisher continues to grow because they know their experience will be good. There was another mega interesting thing which came out of the same study that we did this isn't an advert for the ib study by the way i just thought it's just an interesting thing to come up we gave people tick boxes on what annoyed them most about being online and it was things like slow loading page advertising was one of the lowest that people ticked that the highest offender if you like were the gdpr cookie consent boxes which is a very odd thing to think about given that they were designed not to be that. They were designed to be completely the opposite, to make things easier. And I don't think we ever anticipated a world where every single site that you go to, you would get a slightly different one. And we've got to this very odd point now, coming at it from a personal point of view, is I don't read it anymore. I just want to get to read the headline. So I'm not actively giving my consent. I just want to get rid of it. So we've almost, we've created a mechanic that does the opposite of what it was intended to do, which feels a bit odd. So what you're saying, we haven't educated enough. We don't have users that, that love us. <laughs> I think um, it's a very valid point, James. The, 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 the problem, the challenge, of course, is you get different sort of interpretations yeah. um, and therefore deployments of all sorts of different things, whether that's regulations mm. or user experience or so on. And unfortunately, and, and this, of course, is comes on to the points about what advice can we give to our friends in audio, connected TV and direct out of home and so on. The regulations that were imposed upon us from a display programmatic um, video perspective that came around that came about and we had to react to that mm. because we didn't put the customer yeah, yeah. experience mm. first because we were chasing revenues and reach think about ad clutter and the classic impressions chasing you around the internet mm. i suppose my point is what can we do about this ourselves what's within our control and if we're endlessly 
chasing revenue at the expense of other considerations, then there will be further regulation and then we will end up in these contradictory yeah. positions again. I think it's a really good point. Let's switch gears slightly. Michael, I'd love to get your take on what's the things Matt's just mentioned, a handful of them there. What are the things that are coming down the line which are increasingly becoming more automated and more like digital than they are analog broadcast or things like that? What are the things that you're getting excited by at Xander? Things like audio and connected TV, digital out of home, all these formats where, you know, five, six years ago, you would have thought, oh, they could have never been traded yeah, digitally, yeah. are now being traded digitally. And it goes back to, you know, what is programmatic. And I think that gets us all really excited because we've seen the growth that's happened in display and the advancements we've made in what's possible with targeting and optimization with display and we're transferring some of that skill set and learnings to these new formats trying to make it really easy to buy trying to make sure buyers understand exactly what they're buying how they're buying it how it's traded there's still a lot of work to go in terms of some of these emerging formats but i think we're definitely on the right path to a few years from now having them all available transacted digitally and in a proper way yeah and sarah do you think that measurement is the sort of the gold at the end of the rainbow here the idea that you could look at your out of home and your influencer marketing and your audio and your displaying effectively one dashboard and measure it all in the same way that feels like gold for a for a cmo <laughs> doesn't it yes i think measurement is absolutely key did we do a good job of it in display i think we have we can measure so many different things i think the question really is are we actually measuring the right things yeah, yeah. or are we looking at the right things when we're assessing performance? So, yeah, probably a bit of over-measurement happening on display and then we just need to take... It's not a bad thing, but let's have that across all the channels and, and if we can achieve that, then, yeah, you say it's the holy grail to have the dashboard of everything. I'm not sure, to be honest, Sarah, that we have got measurement quite right and, and I think measurement obviously needs to be considered from a couple of perspectives. I think one of the things that we do well um, is to measure things like viewability and invalid traffic and those brand safety and those sorts of fairly basic things. But when it comes to measuring things like return on investment or true reach mm. or outcomes, that becomes so much more challenging in our very complex ecosystem. And that inability to attribute sales is one of the reasons that there's been a lack of trust and a lack of transparency, not from a consumer perspective, but from a CMO perspective. I think that measurement point remains in some ways. And I'd love to help out with audio and direct out of home, but I'm afraid I don't know how exactly those guys and girls are going to be measuring their return on investment. What, why do you think it's been so hard, Matt? Because of the complexity of the ecosystem and mm. the in inability to, to connect the dots fully and transparently across so many different players, and jostling for position and having different objectives and using different infrastructure, different technology, proprietary stuff. It's just connecting the dots and getting that visibility, um, a holistic view on what's happening is extraordinarily difficult. And that's, I think that's the thing. The framework doesn't exist. It's not a consistent one. CTV is highly fragmented. And so 
that the foundation of that almost needs to be like the starting point, addressing that, starting off with the foundation, which is transferable then across other platforms as well to, but to the measurement piece, yeah, same response, Matt, I'm really not sure how you measure effectiveness of digital out of home, but that's something yeah, I, I need to learn. <laughs> I find that sometimes buyers and marketers value more highly the things that they can track just yeah, because they yeah, can yeah. track it yeah. over some of the other important say indicators of how a campaign's performing and so i think definitely as we move into more of these emerging formats where we know measurement and tracking is going to be an issue we all have to do a really good job of communicating this to our buyers and our marketers and our agencies and our customers the exact value of why it should be transacted in this way and I think that's going to be an issue because we've seen it with display where suddenly you could track viewability. So on campaigns, the main KPI was viewability. And you had to question, you were like, is yeah. that really just yeah, yeah. ultimately what you want to achieve or is it all these other metrics? Yeah, I'd quite like to sell some stuff actually as well. I'd like to sell some cans <laughs> of deodorant if possible. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It must be. That, that's Education. Exactly. Yeah, that's the point, James, is where do you start in terms of measurement? And unless you are confident that your ads are being delivered to a real person and they're viewable on the screen or device and they're in a brand safe environment, it's at that point, then you can start to get onto the juicy stuff (laughs) from a sales perspective. But regrettably, that's where things get a little bit more complicated we're proud and i think rightly proud actually at oracle data cloud of being first to market with all sorts of measurement stuff across big consumer platforms and social platforms um through Mote analytics and that side of things but we've solved for that now the outcomes and sales data points in the us for some time but it remains challenging mm. in other markets where data points and regulations are, are different and I think, Michael, you said it earlier on, those sorts of things feel like they should be table stakes. It's hygiene now that you should be able to see something, that it's going to a person, that the environment in which the advertiser has paid for their ad to be seen is safe. They all feel like hygiene. I think we all celebrate moving on from that stuff. Just quickly on Connected TV, Sarah, because you mentioned it, you know, it's hurtling along at a pace. You've only got to look at what's happening in the US. Incredibly fragmented market already. Do you think the genie's out of the bottle on Connected TV in terms of it'd be pretty hard to row back now. I mean, it's just exploded and got very complicated all of a sudden. Perhaps, again, it might be one where if we could have our time again, we might build it slightly differently. Or do you still think there's time to shape that? Yeah, I still think there's time. There's always time uh, to evolve and iterate Mm. on what you have. So, yeah, there has been this explosion in the US. It's obviously much bigger over there but as you say it's become a kind of quite convoluted again there's lessons we can learn in Europe from that and I feel yeah. that perhaps Europe is better set up to launch develop and grow uh, CTV in a more robust and uh, streamlined way that will actually be more effective for the future yeah yeah I think we're quite lucky almost in one way that in Europe distribution for the big content producers looks very different in uh, Europe than it does in the US so almost two steps behind and that gives us time to really iron out some of the details and obviously like ctv is massive for xander in the us and we've developed a whole bunch of products to move it forward and we get the benefit of that locally which is a really nice position to be in why do you think creativity is talked about a lot campaign dedicate pages to it they look at ads and they review them trading has its own awards what is it that 
it doesn't seem it seems to be sort of unsexy or unfashionable about getting into programmatic and automated buying and the getting into the weeds of it. There's a brilliant tightly knit sort of circle around it of brilliant people and thinkers and companies who talk about it brilliantly but it, it feels like this sort of slightly unaccessible thing it feels like well that's just the way the ad gets to someone as a marketer perhaps i'd much rather sit on a panel and talk about brilliant creative ads and things like that yeah. what is it do you think about our industry if you make comparisons with the stock market that feels really sexy that feels high octane and we're not that dissimilar what do you think some of the issues are about us sort of celebrating what we do Good question, James. I think one of the things, speaking quite personally, the intangible nature of what we do is sometimes a bit disconcerting. It's quite difficult to see the things that we're doing. And you mentioned creatives there, and I think that's part of the evolution into other channels. It's only in the last couple of years that, for example, video and mobile devices powered by programmatic has been beautiful and interesting whereas tv advertising of course has has been they've been beautiful incredible tv ads for many years it's a much better creative there's some not very good ones as well of course absolutely we'll swerve those you you get my point yeah but i think and if i'm looking to the future and direct out of home also 5g is around the corner and without wanting to sound like a total geek and, and nerd the step change here is going to be phenomenal. I'm yeah, not sure yeah. if everybody's quite realised yet. It's a hundred times quicker. Um, this isn't going from 3G to 4G. This is immeasurably bigger. And so what does that mean for creative execution for direct out of home? And can that have that wow factor, that really inspirational factor, very tangible visible outputs from an industry which could make it sexy and glamorous again, maybe? I've just taught myself into a job into in, in direct out of home for a couple of years' time. Yeah. What do you think, Sarah? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That or selling five G, something like that. <laughs> I've got a great deal on the next uh, iPhone, actually, Sarah. <laughs> if you want a good package, we, we can talk about that. Oh, I'm sold. <laughs> so yeah, digital at home is interesting. I did read something around how the perception of that at the moment is that it's perhaps not as easy to optimise that kind of Mm. advertising on the fly as it is for other um, environments at the moment. But that will change. It needs to change so that it can be responsive to like political, social Mm. changes, things like that. But yeah, one thing I did read about this was the visuals improving to the point of including things like augmented reality. Mm. And I thought that's interesting like standing at the bus stop and then being able to engage with someone to that level perhaps they're scanning something or they're loading up something it's just mind-blowing and Mm. i haven't noticed it so much before but it would be really interesting to see where that goes i was just going to say i think we're getting better at celebrating different things to do Mm. with programmatic i know working with some of our agency partners and some of the conversations we're having now like we're talking about DSP optimization using regression modeling, which I couldn't even articulate what that even means, but I know it's complex. (laughs) I know it's cool. I know it's the future. And I found that there's a bit of a shift in the industry to almost celebrate the really nerdy stuff that like moves us forward because it's cool. Like the people coming into the industry, their makeup is looking different. Mm. They've got a lot more technical background because they need to. We've just had interns start that have a very like computer science background, which is I studied marketing and PR. So it's just two different (laughs) worlds, but that's the future. So I think they, those things, those really technical things like 
people getting excited about how to solve for this cookie-less future. And people genuinely are excited about it, which is weird if you think where we were five, mm. ten years ago and it was more whining and dining. <laughs> now it's more talking about computer models. And that's partly because we're all locked in our homes and we can't whine <laughs> and dine. But you're, I think you're absolutely right. I love this idea. We need a campaign. Perhaps the IB will lead it to celebrate this sort of the geekiness of programmatic and all that comes with it. We're running out of time, but I wanted to sense check something with you. The brilliant Wayne Blod, aka Blodders from the Programmatic Advisory, he's put a poll on LinkedIn and he said, is it time to ditch the term programmatic after i've just realized this has gone very sort of local radio now and we're getting live reader polls perhaps i have a phone in with with one of wayne's teams is it time to ditch the term programmatic advertising 261 people have voted and it's half and half split i'd love to get each of your takes on it what do you think matt is it a useful term to have did wayne provide any alternatives no, he's asking people to do it in the comments. He's getting people to do his hard work for him. He is, isn't he? He is. He's, a, he's an influencer. The, I don't mind, really. Yeah. I don't think... I, I'm not sure it's it's that important. Mm. It really isn't about programmatic or display or video. Or, that, this is terminology. Mm. I think it's about relationships. And this is a terribly cheesy point to end on, but it's the relationship between a brand and their customer. It's relationship between us as a vendor and our platform partners or our agency and partners or the CMOs that we're talking with and understanding what they're trying to do and delivering against those outcomes. I personally don't care if that's called programmatic or if it's called blueberry pie. That's what we'll <laughs> concentrate on doing. Yeah, very good. Sarah, what's your take? Yeah, I feel the same really. I, I'm not sure if it's necessary if it's just now if the word is too obsolete i don't think we're at that point yet for me like programmatic is just it gives this image of very like high speed trading and that probably is a little bit of sexiness in it <laughs> but so you know i feel I, I don't know if it's necessary to drop it right now yeah. or what that really serves either way as long as the industry grows through digital advertising or digital programmatic advertising uh, it's a win mm. well I've, yeah i know i've been quite passionate about this as someone who's had to deliver what is programmatic courses for many years mm. get rid of it it's just advertising there's enough acronyms in the industry <laughs> it's moved on from where it was originally designed to be which is obviously rtb and then mm -hmm. it moved into automation and then it's moving into all these new things so i think where the term was originated from we've moved so far from there yeah it is just advertising now yeah it would be weird to have a line on your media plan where you used to have telly and out of home you just have a big blob of programmatic advertising and there's sort of no other detail be quite weird as a brand manager to be signing that off wouldn't it that's all we've got time for we could have gone on for so much longer i thought it was brilliant thank you all so much for being such good panelists and making my job infinitely easier so i uh, say so massive thank you thank you matt thank you michael uh, and thank you Thanks, sarah Jim. Thanks Thank you for having, having us. You're listening to our Steering Group special series. Thank you for tuning in to hear what the leading minds across mobile, video and display have to say on some of the burning topics impacting digital today. If you've enjoyed this session, please share it and tag at IAB UK on Twitter or Instagram. Subscribe wherever you're listening to hear all the Steering Group specials and for the regular IAB UK podcast.